Book of Revelation, chapter 17. Before we look at this verse that we want to spend some time on tonight, I want to say that everything in this book, from chapter 1 to chapter 22, declares the great victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that victory is bound up the eternal security and final perseverance of all who believe. Bound up in that victory is the eternal security and final perseverance of all who believe. God's church in this world is an elect, redeemed, sealed multitude whose names are written from eternity in the book of life of the land, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, in our verse of scripture that we'd like to look at tonight, it mentions something happening to all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. All those whose names are not written. And a couple of times, three times, in the book of Revelation, we find what is going to happen to those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, these names were written down before the world began. In the covenant of grace, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit knew completely and wholly who they would elect. And it was unconditional. And by that I mean it was not based on something that they saw in the people that they wrote down. In fact, if we have any comprehension about what is uh, mentioned over there as we spoke on Sunday in Psalm 14, we find there that God did look down from heaven and he did not find one that sought after him. And the only hope that we have is that he had an interest in us before the world began, that he had an interest in us and that he would play out that interest in the redemption of his people, the coming of his son, the death of his son on the cross, the resurrection of his son, and the ascension and sitting down of his son. We've said in the past that there were no chair makers at the tabernacle, and there were no chair makers at the temple because none of those priests were ever allowed to sit down in their high priestly function or in their priestly function, because their work was never completed. And yet we find that the Lord Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father, because he was able to say, before he left this life on the cross, it is finished. That's why. And when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he was recognized as having completed the ministry of the great covenant of grace. Now, in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 8, the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. There's going to be something that these are attached to about the world's religion, 
about their own religion. They are captivated by it. And they are held by it. And all those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world have this upon them. Now turn with me, if you would, to back just a little bit in chapter 13 and verse 8. Chapter 13 and verse 8. And it mentions this. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, all of those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they will worship for time and for eternity, if you please, this false religion, this self-will, free will, works religion. They will worship that. And... We, when we went to at this place, when we were here, we find out this is the alternative to grace. This is the alternative to having names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is not a good alternative from the standpoint of the church, but it is a just alternative, and the church will say with uh, every voice, that is what I deserve. But his grace has brought me out of that. I deserved not to have my names written in the Lamb's book of life. I deserve to eternally worship the beast and to worship false religion. And then, if you'll turn with me over to the book of Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15, it tells us here that those who uh, were not found in the book of life. This is the final judgment. This is the last that the church will ever hear, ever think of those that are without Christ. It says in verse 15 of Revelation chapter 20, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now this is the judgment, whose names are not written in the book of life. Names are not added in time. They're identified in time. Names were written before the world began. Names were written in the covenant of grace. The Lord Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father in covenant mercy wrote the names of those that they would seek out. Those that would be redeemed. They had their names written and there's nothing written in time. They are written in eternity. Now, we've said enough about that side. I want to go to the other side. Let's look at a few verses that deal with those whose names are written in the book of life. And let's see what the Bible has to say about that because it is very vocal on this great subject. There's not just one or two verses that speak about it. We can look at it from the negative side and say, if you're not written, you're going to do this. If you're not written, you'll do this. And if you're not written, you're going here. We'll never know who's written until the end. And only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are those identified whose names are written. It's not by works of righteousness that we find it. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he supplies it in regeneration. Who he regenerates? Their names are written in the book of life. And by their repentance and faith, they are identified as those whose names are written in the book of life. 
Turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, the Lord Jesus gives a beautiful statement about this great book that he had inscribed the names of all those that he would die for before the beginning of the world. And he makes a great statement about this wonderful subject. We have seen enough about those who will not have their, and do not have, excuse me, do not have their names, but I want to find out what is in store for those whose names are written in the book of life. And I would never tell anybody that their names are not written in the book of life. The only ones that can be identified as those are those who leave this life without Christ. We would never tell anybody. But we do know that those who leave this life without Christ, their names were not written in the book of life. All right? In the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them out two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. Now, 35 teams, 35 groups of two were sent out. The Lord ordained it. The Lord sent them out, and he gave them great power. They preached the gospel. They were able to heal the sick. They were just, they had a great deal of power given to them by the Lord. Now, let's drop down through there just a little bit. And in verse uh, Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy. And it doesn't tell us how long they spent out. It does tell us that they spent some time in the cities that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to go into. They were his ambassadors. They were his introducers. They were declarers of the gospel like any other preacher of righteousness. Anyone else that is called by God to be a minister, that is what they were. They were not preaching some strange gospel. They were preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were introducers, much like John was, introducers of one that's coming. There's one coming whose shoes were not worthy to unlatch, but there's one coming. And they came back, and it tells us there that they, they uh, came to the Lord with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, when they used the word Lord in that capacity, it really meant something. They recognized that because of his name, they were able to do things that they commonly could not do. That the Lord had great power. That he had great power over his creation, over his created beings, even to the point of devils being subject to them. In your name, you have great power, and we recognize that, and we're thankful that we were used and all of this stuff. And then he goes on to say, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I know what you're talking about, but I saw it better, bigger. And then it says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Now this gives the church great reason for rejoicing. God had an interest in me before the world began. 
And that's the only reason we will ever call out to him. It's the only reason we'll ever have repentance towards him. Faith in him is this, notwithstanding, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, I have, I have a feeling that every one of those 70, when he said that, said he is right. We thought it was great capacity to do all these things, but that's nothing compared to having the knowledge that our names are written in heaven, that God had an interest in us before the world began. And even through the fall, and even as a result of the fall, and even as all the fall took place, he saw through it all, he knew through it all, he purposed through it all and said, I will take a people out of a people that was not a people and I'll make them my people and they shall love me and I shall love them and uh, I'll be their God and they shall be my people. That's what he's telling them when their names are written in heaven. Just rejoice in this. The 70 doesn't tell us word for word, but we know what happens to God's people today when they find out that God had an interest in them before the world began. They are thankful. They are compassionate toward God. They recognize him as the Lord because he was able to deal with this issue that we could not deal with. And so they rejoiced. Now, turn with me back to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. This subject is mentioned there in the book of Daniel. The subject of names. Names written down. We know a little bit about what will happen to those that leave this life without Christ. Their names were not written down and they shall be cast into the lake of fire. But we find that those whose names are written down and God regenerates them by his grace and glory and gives to them all the blessings of redemption, they are caused to rejoice as a result of this activity on God's part before the world began. They rejoice that their names are written down. The fall could not destroy them, even though it took us into absolute and total darkness. He is able to take people out of that total darkness and put them into the kingdom of light. And the church rejoices that their names are written down. Now here in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, much is said in the book of Daniel, like in the book of Revelation, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the victor. Sometimes it didn't look like it, but he is. Sometimes when the children of Israel are taken off into captivity and spent 70 years there, and even these prophets were taken off into captivity and spent their life, many of them spent their life, 70 years, they spent the bulk of their life in captivity. They were there by God's divine appointment, and Daniel was given some messages about when will the children of Israel go back what will happen, the birth of the Lord Jesus, the measurement of time. But notice here in Daniel chapter 12, and it tells us here, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. Now I'm convinced that this Michael is more than just a created angel. There are groups that would like to think 
that this is just to create an This is our Savior, the Lord Jesus, standing up on the behalf of his... He's the archangel. Michael, the archangel. He is the arch messenger of God. He is the supreme messenger of God. He is God's messenger of grace. The rest of us are sub-messengers. Just like we are, he's uh, the shepherd, we're the sheep. Nobody wants to take that position away from him. We just want to be the sheep of the shepherd. And there are, he is the chief shepherd. He's the pastor and there are sub-pastors and on it goes. But he's chief. He is Lord of lords. He's king of all kings. And he doeth according to his will among the armies of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. We have scripture for that. We can say it with all authority. All right, now notice here. Michael stood up, great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to this same time. Now, I was trained that this time of trouble is for people. But now, I'm convinced that this time of trouble was for Jesus Christ. The time of trouble. When I read over in the book of Luke that he, the Son of God, was in agony. That's the time of trouble like this world has never seen. It had never seen God in agony. It had never seen him with sweating great drops of blood. The reason I say that is because of the very next phrase that's brought up here. And at that, at that time... Thy people shall be delivered. Now, when were we delivered? At that great time of trouble. When Jesus Christ went to the cross. When he was in great agony and sweat great drops of blood. When he was taken and arrested and beat and then placed on the cross. We read about the Lord Jesus. God shall see the travail of his soul. There was never a time in the history of the world where there was trouble like that. And the result of it is, at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Now who? Every one that shall be found written in the book. Now that's who will be delivered. Now the church says, hallelujah. <laughs> I like that kind of deliverance. I can be delivered. I have been, I've been delivered from sin. I've been delivered from Satan. I've been delivered from hell. I've been delivered from the grave. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. The deliverer deliver, delivered me. <laughs> Here he is, the Lord Jesus. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Verse 2, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. If we follow that theme through the Bible, we'll find out that God said in his word that there's going to be a general judgment and not a thousand years in between the saved and the lost. Everybody. And then we go over there to the book of Matthew. He says he's got the goats on the left hand, the sheep on the right hand. And what's he do? He divides them. Welcome to those on the right hand, to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Depart from me to the others. Everyone will be standing together. It's, it was termed a general judgment for thousands of years until about 1800. Someone came along and says, oh, we can't have that. 
and started sifting through the Bible and find a few verses that they used to point it out. And most of it has to do with the tribulation. And if you look at that from the point of Scripture, you'll find that tribulation is God's tribulation on the cross. Anyway, let's go on. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, if we notice there, they shall be delivered. Verse 1, every one shall be found written in the book of life. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of Philippians. Philippians. Here in the book of Philippians, we have another statement with regard to those who are found in the book of life. We know what will happen to those that are, names are not written. Mentioned three times in the book of Revelation. God is of God of victory, and he will win the victory in everyone whose names are written in the book of life. The elect, the redeemed, the sealed, those whose names are written from eternity in the book of life, these shall have eternal security, and they shall persevere to the end. Without question. Without question. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And we'll look at some verses over there with regard to that in just a moment. The book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore my brethren dearly beloved. Long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved. I beseech Eodius and beseech Scythinci. That they be of the same mind in the Lord couple of saints got a little crosswise, and Paul is admonishing them to say the same thing about the Lord. We never find that there's ever room to say different things about the Lord. The church will agree on this. Things about the Lord. All right? And then it says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. These are those who helped Paul. These are those who were ministers of the gospel. These are those who knew the gospel. These are those that would hold the gospel. These are those who would hold Paul, support Paul and his preaching. Why? Because their names are written in the book of life. And what is the result of that? regeneration what is the result of that God has promised those he regenerates those he had written in the Lamb's book of life he promised them that he would grant repentance to them and they would turn from dumb idols to the living and true God and they would also be given the grace to exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that he is their faith he, they look to him, they follow him, they approach him, they come to him. And so this is the promise. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life have great promises on their behalf. They will be a work of God. They will be a creation of God. They will be the love of God. They will be his purpose. That's why he came. He purposed that they would be drawn with cords of love out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue, that he would make sure that they heard the seed. The seed would be spread in their field, 
the word of God, the gospel would be brought to them. And the Holy Spirit would be there to witness and testify of the gospel to their heart and that he would give them life. And as a result of that, boy, helping the gospel, loving the gospel, sending out the gospel, not their own, but the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about two mountains. Mount Sinai, Mount Zion. And the writer of the book of Hebrews, led by the Holy Spirit, wants to make sure that nobody stops at Mount Sinai. <laughs> oh, it genders strife. It's a place of death. It's a, a place of fear. It, it's... It's fearful to be at Sinai. God's law stirs fear in the hearts of his people. And they don't want to be under it. They want to be over here at Mount Zion. Notice here, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. The scriptures share this. But ye have come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Now look at all the qualification, qualifiers of those who are written in heaven. They come to Mount Zion. They have no hope in Mount Sinai. They have hope at Mount Zion. Christ is our Mount Zion. And they come to heavenly Jerusalem, city of God. It tells us with regard to Abraham that he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. He wasn't looking for that city on this earth. He was looking and he found it in Christ. And then it tells us here uh, to innumerable company of angels. Now, what does that mean? To the presence of God. You've come to the presence of God. Are we allowed to come into the presence of God in our sin? No. Are we able to come into the presence of God in Christ? Absolutely. Without fear. Come boldly into his presence. In the presence of God. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Every one of God's people in heaven and on earth. Are in this general assembly. Everyone that Jesus Christ ever died for. We have a oneness with those sitting at the feet of Jesus. We have a oneness with those on this earth that know Christ. And then it says, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. This is uh, what God gives to all those whose names are written in the book of life. What? Just men made perfect? Sins forgiven, sins taken away, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The Lord's blood does not cry out revenge. The Lord's blood cries out peace. Peace. By his blood he made peace. Covenant of grace was fulfilled. Peace for his people. No wonder he can come into that room after his resurrection and say, peace be unto you. 
His blood means peace. His blood brings peace. His blood is peace. He's brought peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, His shed blood and His righteousness. So look what we have because the names are written in heaven. I can't list them all. I couldn't, I couldn't spend a year on going through those verses. There's too much there, but look at what we have. And then turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. This is a wonderful statement that God made with regard to those whose names are written in the book of life. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, it says this, He that overcometh. Now, we don't overcome in the flesh. We overcome by the Spirit. And all those who overcome, overcome means to be born again. That's just another word for it. You can go back to 1 John and find that. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now that's rich. That's good. I will confess his name. What's he say? Mine. Mine. There are some times we don't mind being, possess being possessed. <laughs> possessed of the Lord he is the he possesses us we are his possession we don't mind that because that means life everyone whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are possessions of Christ and he confesses their names before the father and in the presence of the angels and then over in the book of Revelation 21 21 Revelation 21, we see that God has, has a book and written in this book are all that he set out to save from beginning to end. So we, the first one, we're a little, uh, we're, I'm just a little, uh, I don't know for sure who is the first one whose name was written. I've read Adam was. Well, I can take it to the bank that Abel was there. <laughs> He's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Now, if Adam was, hallelujah. If Eve was, hallelujah. We see other times in the Old Testament where God typified that he covered his people. Look at all the sacrifices. And not everyone was saved. Adam and Eve were covered with the skins of animals to typify what was necessary. But I'll look at Abel and I'll say... By faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice. And if Adam was saved, I'm going to say hallelujah. And someday we'll know, and it probably won't even care. All right. Here in the book of Revelation 21, 27, chapter 21, verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now that's the residence of this heavenly Jerusalem. That's the residence of heaven. That's the residence of those who stand in the presence of God without fear. These are those who can approach his th throne boldly, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. What does that tell us about those? Well, 
They're not defiling. What made the difference? The Lord Jesus Christ. By nature we defile, but in Christ Jesus it's been taken away. It also tells us there, neither whatsoever worketh abomination. By nature we worked abomination. Uh, our friend Saul of Tarsus would tell us that. Our religion was an abomination. Our worship was an abomination. Our thoughts were an abomination. Our heart was an abomination to God by nature. But because God has written the names in the Lamb's book of life, he made sure that they would no longer be an abomination in his sight. He sees Christ. He doesn't see us. He sees Christ. And then it says there, or maketh a lie. David said, in my haste, he said, all men are liars. I like what our, now I don't want to change the Bible in any sense of the imagination, but I like what our brother said. He could have said the same thing just walking away. All men are liars. Every one of us. We're liars by nature and practice and choice. But here, no liars will be present. What's he do? He takes that out of us. He gives us Christ. He gives us his holiness. Without holiness, we'll not see God. We must have his holiness. We must be as pure as he is. And it only comes as he gives that to us. He imparts it to us, implants it to us. Now, these names that were written in the book of life before the world was, before there was a creation, before there was a fall of Adam, these names were written down. And this salvation is so great a salvation, and those that are in Christ shall never perish due to these facts. Number one, the perfection of God's character. Turn with me over to Lamentations. Lamentations. Jeremiah's Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I ho have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. When I was down there visiting the other day at the hospital, I brought this subject up. We cannot, we cannot pick the fruit. I was conversing with Nancy's dad. We cannot be um, baby deliverers. We're not in that business. We're not baby deliverers. When it comes to spiritual things, he is. We can only cast the seed out. We can only sow the seed. And here it tells us, because of God's perfection of his character, Everybody that's written in the Lamb's book of life will be eternally saved. Without exception, not one will be lost. That's his promise. And God's immutability forbids change in the object of his love. Turn with me, if you would, to the last book of the Old Testament. 
the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. We've spent some time here in the past looking at this verse, but it's worth looking at again. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, depend on this. They depend on that God does not change. If God should count iniquity, who can stand? Here it tells us in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, and there in verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, or as a result of that change, not changing, his immutability, he cannot, he will not change. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The church is not consumed because God does not change. He will not change his love for his people. He will not change his love for those whose names are written in the book of life. God's mercy will never turn to wrath. God's mercy will never turn to wrath. And God's love will never become hatred. And God's faithfulness will never cease. And God's goodness cannot fail God has made a purpose he has made a pact the church rejoices in that turn with me to Job as we look at the subject of God's immutability it do, he doesn't change therefore his love does not change his mercy does not change his salvation does not change the hope he gives his people that does not change here in the book of Job way over here uh, some say it's the oldest book in the Bible. Some of the great truths are still found here. I know my Redeemer liveth. That's what Job said. Job, and he's saying the same thing we do. Boy, how can God do this to me? God answers him. I have a right. I can do whatever I want. Uh, by the way, there's next four months daily Bible readings on the front pew here. We're almost to that end of this month, so... They're printed up. Anyway, Job chapter 23. Job 23 and verse 13. It's written, Job 23 verse 13. But he is of one mind. Job 23 verse 13. But he is of one mind. And who can turn him? Thank God nobody. He doesn't turn. He doesn't turn. Verse 13. And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. Whatever God purposes to do, that is what he does. He, No man turneth him. No man has power over him. And along with that, we read over in the book of James. James was writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he shared this with us about this. I don't know about you, but there's been a few days in the past that I've been seeking the shade. <laughs> like the shade. It's cooler than out in the sunshine. When I was down there in Tennessee and helping Donnie Bell on a piece of machinery every once in a while, I said, you got to move this pickup. Sun's moved around, and we're standing in the sunshine, and I'm allergic. <coughs> move the pickup into the shade of that big tree. Well, notice this. With regard to our Savior, to God Almighty, the book of James... James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And there in verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You can't even mark the shadow. It's not going to move. Peg it down. It will not move. And we depend on this. Everyone whose names are written in the book of life depend on his immutability. He will not change his mind about his people. He will ever love them. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And next we find the, the reason God is so valuable to the church is he is omnipotent. Jesus used this to share. No man can pluck you out of my Father's hand or out of my hand. What's that tell us about God? He is omnipotent. That means he has all power. He is all powerful. There is no power that he is slack in. He is all powerful in every power that is necessary. There's none greater. And because of this, because of being omnipotent, being having all power, no one can pluck those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, can pluck them out of Jesus' hands or out of the Father's hands. And he said, I and my Father are one. No. First Peter chapter 1. Turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. There, there is a power here that we just can't imagine. It's called all power. I have I've yet to realize what it is to have all power. You can tell us how much power these generators can create and how much power is in a hydrogen bomb and all that. I can't even imagine that. Not alone, all power. That's God, all power. All right? 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse uh, 2, it says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith of the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are kept by the power of God. Now, he's the only one that has all power. He can do the job. Kept by all power power kept by the power of God this is his purpose is to keep his people with all power nothing's like he doesn't give up there's no sliding of his feet he is steadfast and unmovable that's the only reason the church can say that about themselves I'm steadfast and unmovable why because he is steadfast and unmovable and then finally if you would just turn a little bit to the book of Jude. The book of Jude, verses 24 and 25. The character of God. 
the character of God secures his people whose names are written in the book of life. The immutability, the unmovability of God keeps the people whose names are written in the book of life. And his omnipotence keeps the people whose names are written in the book of life. He has a lot invested in the security of his people and presenting them. And as it tells us right here in the book of Jude, verses 24 and 25, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, keep us from falling and present us spotless. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Dominion. That means he dominates. He has dominion over. And power. All power. And as we said, his mercy will never turn to wrath. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, but I'll never turn it to wrath. His love will never turn to hatred. Never. And his faithfulness will never cease. Oh, uh, Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, we read, Great is thy faithfulness. Even in lamentable times, great is thy faithfulness. And God's goodness cannot fail. Now, we have some things to be thankful for. To have names written in the Lamb's book of life. There are some verses that share with us what will happen to those whose names are not written. But oh, the statements that are made with regard to those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And great rejoicing. And we only find out that our names are there in regeneration. When he gives us Christ, then we know.